0: Let's bring in Sean Henry, president and CEO of the Nashville Predators. It has been uh, quite a 24-hour period for them. They'll back on the ice to close out the month of February tonight at Bridgestone Arena, hosting the Pittsburgh Penguins. Boo.
1: (laughs) Sean, what's going on? Not much, man. Pretty quiet weekend for us. How about you guys?
0: I saw you were feeding (laughs) grapes to Barry Trotz. Was that in your kitchen or was that David's kitchen? Where was that?
1: Can't tell you. Oh wow! No, that was, wow. Uh, that was in, we were using David's uh, kitchen as uh, a meeting place for the past—I don't know—eight weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. You, you roll in, and David has fruit waiting for you. Always has chocolate. Uh, <laughs> always has good waters. But you know, what he doesn't have—he's not a coffee guy, and I am. Oh. So uh, yeah, there's no coffee in the house. So we got to work on that. Hopefully, Mary's oh. a better right. barista than
0: uh, David. <laughs> Barrister, I, I think, think he is. I think he is. He's uh, a coffee guy. Through, yeah, for every I think coach he's he. a coffee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Coaches are are coffee guys. And so, with, with that being said, Sean. So, just I'm trying to do the timeline. How? What was your window here with Barry as the head coach? What about two to three years? Is that right?
1: Uh, I think four years. Four so years. In, uh, okay. 2010. So we made the playoffs in 10 or 11 we missed him in 12 and 13 and yeah so four seasons I think so four
0: seasons. seasons so how yep. how much did you tr- truly get to know Barry you know you were just a, you know you were coming here from Tampa and four years is a long time I get it but like how close were you able to get to Barry at that time when he was the coach
1: well Barry's one of those guys that you become his, you walk away from him as, like as his best friend yeah. you think right i mean he, he ingratiates himself with you so quickly and uh, his wife was so involved in so many different organizations that me and my wife were a part of. And then she was on our foundation board. You know, So I got to know them you know, pretty well. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends as well. And then my wife served on uh, the Best Buddies you know, like special events board or, or something. So, yeah, we got to know them really, really well. And then you know, we spent a lot of time together over the past, whatever, eight or nine years with stops in D.C., coming back here and us going there and, and the island. Um, and we probably used to talk, I don't know, two or three times a year. Um, but he, he's just a special man. Like, whether you worked with him for one game or four years or for almost 40 years like David, um, you get close to him pretty quickly because he makes it a point to get close to people and get to know them and make you feel special. He really does, and that's why he's so successful on the ice and he's so successful in every, every facet of his life.
0: No doubt about it. So what, what was yesterday and what's this whole experience been like for you personally?
1: You know what, um, I've always said this, working with David has been the best part of my career. You know, I've been there 13 years and been part of a lot of you know, really fun organizations, good organizations, some incredible GMs over the time and some not so incredible. You know, so I have a pretty good yardstick of how to measure them, but I had to throw that yardstick away. Um, I always wanted to work with David you know, for 10, 15 years before I got here. You'd see him at meetings. You'd see how the room revolved around him. Um, I mean, being around David's incredible, because he loves our game so much. I mean, he just loves the game and he wants to caretake the game. And then that translates to our team, but the game first. And um, you know it's fun working with someone like that. but just in true Poyle fashion, I mean Poils are planners, you know three, four, maybe even five years ago, it was all right, what should this succession look like? What do we need to do as an organization to be ready for for David to retire? And, you know, there's a lot of investments that we made. And, you know, at the time we had one AGM, that was Paul Fenton. And uh, when he got promoted and became a GM in Minnesota, it was, all right, let's look at our, our roster of young guys that we have. And, you know, now we have three AGMs, all will-be GMs. We looked at our scouting department, added to that by, I don't know, four or five different, you know, people, changed out a few guys that retired. Um, a complete investment, data analytics, but not all at once. It's, it's another body every year. It's another set of software. It's another way to look at things. Our video coaching is the model for the league, or was, and we improved upon that. And we have repetition for what we do here, down in Milwaukee. Strength and conditioning—one of the few teams with multiple full-time strength and conditioning guys in your minor league system. You know, our mental health is as important as our physical health. So we went out and hired, you know, full-time our employees, you know, doctors in that space as well. So it was just—I can go right on down the list mm-hmm. of, you know, probably an extra 20, 25 different bodies. Uh, millions of dollars of software and equipment and, and systems. And uh, it was you know, probably, I don't know, mid-season last year into the draft window where it was like, you know, I, f- I just feel comfortable that you know, next year could and should be it. And then you start talking, okay, well, what does our search look like? We've talked about quite a bit. You saw a few other searches happening at the same time. Some things you liked what they did. Some things you probably want to do differently, maybe a different time of year, maybe start in November or January. Or you wait till the end of the season. And then, um, you know, a guy that we've long admired, and David always said Barry Trotz would make a great GM if he yeah. ever stopped coaching. It's just something we always talked about because he would. He's done it all in our in our game. And Barry literally passed every job up this summer. He was offered every single job that was open. I think he was offered a few jobs that weren't open <laughs> um, in great canter. And you were talking about, I mean, an amazing amount of money, an amazing. I'm out of control, and the type of teams he could have gone to. So every time he passed on an opportunity, we'd look at each other or call each other and say, my gosh, what if he doesn't coach? And that quickly turned into Thanksgiving, you know, 1st of December, and it was around that time, around the holidays, give or take, that um, Barry literally reached out to David and said, I want to throw my hat in the ring. And I mean, David called me up, and to say he was giddy would probably be a slight exaggeration, but he was pretty giddy. <laughs> and <laughs> it was, all right, you know, he got a hold of Lou Lamarillo with the Islanders, who's just another guy like David who loves the game, loves the people, loves seeing people move on and do well. And, of course, he granted us permission. And then we started doing interviews, you know, with um, you know Bill Haslam was part of it, Herb Fritz was part of it, I was part of it. And we each probably met with him alone two or three times, met with him uh, as a group two or three times, met with, a, with two of us or three of us a few different times. And it was natural. Like, there was no negotiation. It was, this should happen after we all talk to him and you realize how good he's going to be in this role, just like he was in the other. So that's kind of the time shell or timeline, as best as I recall it. And I'll deny any facts that are wrong.
0: <laughs> well, I want to go to something you just said that I was drawn to. What you said, David, always thought Barry would be a good GM. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first thing, you know, I talked to a lot of the fans, social media, whatever, feedback, you get lots of feedback. The first thing I'm going to say is, you know, a lot of the feedback already is great, but but how, how do we know if Barry's going to be a good GM? So I'm really drawn to why David felt that compelled for a guy that's been a coach his whole life, why he would be a great GM.
1: Well, a couple things. I mean, someone had to eat the clam first. Someone had to drink from a cow to get milk right Mm -hmm. so first things happen from time to time and it makes me laugh everyone's like how do we know well you know scotty bowman wasn't a head coach until he was and he was a great one um but barry was not always a coach you know uh barry was a scout you know for a long time um got promoted twice in in the capitals organization when david was the gm he got cut as a player went became a college coach he was younger than most of the guys on the team and then um he was offered a scouting position, I think a part-time position initially with uh, Washington Then got promoted to a full-time scout. Then he got offered the job out in Vancouver as the full uh in Western Canada you know, for them and then came back to the East Coast as an assistant coach for Baltimore and then the head coach in Baltimore. Then they moved to, to Maine, um, won a championship there. When David came here. He hired him a year earlier to be our pro scout and our eventual head coach. So our pro scouts were Paul Gardner. Barry Trotz and David Poyle. Crazy. And they're the ones that kind of put it all together. And the way David involves you know, people in the organization, he wasn't just a coach. He was in every draft planning meeting, every free agent meeting, every you know, planning session, pro scouts, amateur scouts. All those meetings um, was involved all summer long, you know, as opposed to you know, going back to a cottage and, and, and playing golf. And uh, when, when he moved on and went to Washington, he had a first-year GM that hired him. So if you talk to Todd, he would tell you he relied on Barry for so many things and how camp was organized, what do you do know, with rookie camp, prospect camp, you know things that normally a coach doesn't get involved in. And then uh, when he left there and went to New York, he got a chance to work with Lou Lamarillo, one of the very, very best at that position ever as a GM. So you get a chance to see people, learn from people, see what you want to do, what you don't want to do. Um, and like all of us, that's how you're trained. I mean, your, your first show, when you flipped on the air, it wasn't just you went in cold. You were prepared for it. You were ready for it. You had to learn a lot more. But you also probably watched some other people and how they did it. And you took advantage of every small opportunity to get you a little bit more ready. I would us not, a lot of credit want,
0: there, Sean. Yeah, I would not want to listen to that first tape. I would
2: never want <laughs> to listen to that first. A lot of credit show. there, sir. A whole lot of credit. And we'll appreciate it. We'll take it. That's exactly what happened there, sir. Exactly. You know what I learned,
0: Sean, yesterday? if david does want to do something by the way we're speaking with sean henry president and ceo of the preds at president get it on twitter give him a follow he's a fun follow he loves your your feedback too he loves your questions reach out to i him. do i do i know you're you're hey, you're visible you're a visible guy man you're not closed door dude that is true um i learned that if david wants to do something outside of hockey ever which is all he's done his whole life he should maybe be in like a rom com, you know. He's, it's he's a romantic guy. He's he had he was making us laugh. He had jokes.
1: He should be in a rom com. Yeah, you, know, you sound like a movie critic on David Poyle's life. He made me laugh, made me cry, made me feel. <laughs> right, but it's true. I mean, he really is. He's kind of a renaissance guy. I mean, he has a lot of uh, passions. Uh, we've gotten to see him really bring two to life to date, and that's uh, this team and, and his family. So uh, it, it was it was really nice to. To be able to celebrate David yesterday and see all those things come out in him. That maybe not, you know, the normal fan doesn't get to see every day. You know, you know him a little bit better, so you know his relationship with his wife and his kids and his grandkids and and really everyone in the organization. I mean, he's a he's a special man.
2: Sean, reading an article here from the Associated Press and it's dated April the fourteenth of two thousand and fourteen. That was the day that the Nashville Predators let go of Barry Trotz as the head coach. Fourth paragraph down it says Trott's contract was set to expire on June 30th the predators offered him a job in their hockey operations department I know it was 9 years ago do you remember doing that and if so what path was that putting Mr. Trotz on at that particular time
1: Well it was we weren't sure what he wanted to do you know we were, we were going to replace him as a coach his contract was up but he did so many things for Nashville, for Smashville, for this organization, that it was, well, let's keep him on. If he wants to stay on in a different role, in a management role, let's just keep him here. You know, if if he chooses not to coach or if he doesn't get the job he wants right away. And we were, one, happy for him that he got the job he did in, in Washington. But if it went another two months or three months or six months or two years, we would have been better off as an organization. That's how highly we all thought of him as a front office person in hockey operations, it was nine years ago that he had a contract for it, uh, but his passion and time was to coach still, and, I, and I'm glad he kept coaching because you know, he went from being the most successful um, expansion coach in the history of the game to one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. I think he's third all-time in wins as a cup. I mean, you know, Look what he did with the Islanders after they lost their star player, put him in the conference finals two or three times. I mean, Barry's an exceptional coach. I'm just so glad that he wants to try something different now because it means we get to work with him again.
2: All right. All right, Sean, I want to talk to you about a couple things away from the from the GM situation here. Um, I have this theory and you can tell me how right or wrong I am about this, that you and the Tennessee Titans, the Predators, when I say you, not you personally, Sean. Uh, but the, the Nashville Predators and the Tennessee Titans have a, a great relationship, but it's also a a quiet rivalry as well as both of you have talked openly about winning a championship. And I would guess, Sean Henry, that you wouldn't be mad if the Predators were able to get the cup here before the Titans were able to get the Lombardi here. How closely do you guys watch each other? How is that relationship, being that you guys are the two bigger franchises in town when it comes to fan base and attention?
1: So there is no rivalry. I'm I'm probably the biggest Titans fan you, you know. Um, Someday I hope to see the Giants play the Titans Super Bowl, and then maybe I'll have a tough choice
2: who to root for.
1: Um, But when they're playing well, it helps us. When we're playing well, it helps them. When Nashville SC is playing well, it helps helps both of us. I, I really am that rising tide guy. And I'll tell you right now, of course I want to win a Stanley Cup before they win one, or Nashville SC does, because ours is next. But if we don't win it this June, I really hope Nashville SC wins the first championship because theirs is next. If they don't win it, I really hope the Titans bring home um, the uh, Parcells Trophy. Or what's it called again? The
2: Parcells It's the it's it's Lomb-
1: Lombardi. Uh, Vince, Vince Lombardi. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, okay. I, I get confused between great coaches. Um, but, you know, if, if they don't win in January, then I go recycle it. So whoever's up next, that's who I want to win. But we all want the same thing. We all want to win. But, you know, Ian, with soccer and, and Burke and myself, we enjoy a really nice relationship. And, you know, we can call each other. Um, from time to time, for favors, to pick each other's brains, you know, it's a pretty easy job we all have. But it, really, only the three of us can talk to each other about it. But uh, I run into Burke everywhere. We were at the CPA Father Ryan basketball game the other night. Father Ryan won, fortunately. He was not as happy. Um, <laughs> I run into him at the dump all the time. <laughs> the dump is the center point from both our houses. Grocery store. Same thing. Ian lived across the street from me. I mean, the three of us. You know, we, we really are. You know, we're, we're friends. Uh, I don't see each other a whole lot because we work so much. But, you know, I go to a handful of Titans games a year. Burt comes over here quite a bit. Ian does too. And I miss soccer this past weekend, but uh, I'll be there a few times. I will confess on Memorial Day I'll be going to the game. But I'm going to be rooting for the Columbus crew over our Nashville SC. Wow.
2: All right.
1: So I- my son works for them. So. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, Family what's first. your what's your legion
0: say, there? Let him get to the let him get to the punchline. Yeah. Okay.
2: Family first. Family first. Very good. Uh, I know you guys made some changes as far as uh, the concessions and food. You guys had a big rollout. How has that gone? You know, both both good and bad here. Come on, Sean. Is was everything ahead, or was there a couple things? You don't have to name it, but it's like you know, maybe we don't want to maybe we want to roll with that next year uh, as far as the food is concerned.
1: Well, if you don't roll out. A menu item that is a stinker every year it just means you're not rolling out enough new ones. <laughs> <laughs> and same with everything. So now this was a fun year because it was the first kind of normal off season going into a season without any protocols, without you know having to change everything we do every single day. So we kind of recommitted to what we always do, and that's you know make a lot of investments every month. There's something new. And uh, one of the you know better things that we just did this year is you know you can order from your seat on your phone and go pick up your food anywhere in the building, so you never have to wait in line. Hmm. Uh, we have the just walk out stands. You know, we work closely with Amazon on the technology. So you have two concession stands that you just walk in, wave your hand over a a reader, walk in, grab anything you want, and you walk right out, and it automatically charges your credit card. And that's a great set of technology, but we can't have season ticket holder discounts in that technology yet. So that's one of those ones where we have some work to do to work those kinks out because the technology is incredible. I can see us having four or five more of those coming up. Um, But there are so many new things. My favorite thing in the whole building, if you haven't seen it yet, is, and I like the item myself, but the cotton candy robot. It makes Hmm. the most beautiful pieces of art I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, Darren, I know your son's getting a little old for cotton candy, but none of us are too old. Next time he's at a game, you know, throw a few dollars in that. and
2: What section is that, gonna say, Sean? I'm, people, I'll look for the that. The people where is who that? are
0: watching right now and Justin seeing me shaking my head, I'm sitting there, as you said that, Sean, going, how did I escape that this season when Maddox was in tow? I have no clue how we
2: missed that. Where, where yeah, is Maddox, that, Sean? Gra-
1: grab your dad's credit card, Maddox. They are all over the building. I think oh. we have uh, yeah, we have two on the 100 level and, and uh, two on the upper concourse and literally we move them around every fifth event or so. Just to keep it moving and keep things fun. And that's part of what we do. You don't want the building to look like wallpaper that you get used to. You want to change things up, move some things around, move some menu items around. You know, where do you give your giveaways around? You want people wandering the building and not just, you know, going the same way you always do.
0: You know what? One place we cannot escape ever when he goes it's the stand that's got the. The Doritos and the Mm. chicken and the queso in the bag. Walking tacos. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. He will – I mean – I'm like, dude, the game has started. We he he, he has got to have that, Sean. He we you cannot great, escape that
1: one. Like your son's age, he's probably a walking garbage disposal <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> he he's nine thousand calories a game, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can go from walking taco to cotton candy to ice cream to a pretzel to a steak and not get filled up. It's no. so
0: funny you said that because the last <laughs> game we went to, I think it was it was the Vegas game. I, it was just me and him. It was the first time me and him have ever been to a game together, just the two of us. It was coming right out of the break. And the guy asked me, do you want one too? And I said, no, absolutely not. (laughs) And I said, don't take that as an insult. Like, I would love to chow on one of these things, but man, I'd have to walk home. Like, there's no way (laughs) at my age I'm eating that. So we laughed about it. It's not going to make it. Yeah, not going to make it.
2: Yeah, Sean, last but not least, I wanted to ask you about a very ambitious project you took on a couple of years ago, and that is trying to bring hockey to Tennessee State University. I was actually somewhere, and I saw a TSU hockey jersey for sale in some store I was in uh, I took a picture of it I was like I wasn't in a position to buy at that particular moment but I know you've been talking about it. you guys organized a fundraiser where are you guys on, on trying to get that going
0: by the way the TSU band was there that night for that Vegas game being yeah. honored after the after the, the Grammy,
1: Grammy wins. Yeah. very good yeah yeah so we, we try to partner with every college in, in the community um, tonight might even be Auburn night I, I, I forget what it is uh, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, tonight. Tonight. Kentucky tonight. Auburn, tonight. Auburn is next week. Sorry, Darren. I know near and dear that is to your heart, um, <laughs> but TSU is special because uh, right before the pandemic started, they came to us to ask us to you know raise a million dollars for them to keep kids in college that are leaving over four, five, six, seven hundred dollars, and we oh, jumped yeah. at it on one condition. We said we'll do this only if we can continue to work together on bigger things. We want your interns. We want to tap into your talent pool. We we want you know TSU alumni to. Sit in my chair, you know. Someday, and they absolutely, they jumped all over it. They're so energetic to work with. And then uh, Dr. Alan Glover came to us and said, "What do you guys think about starting a, a you know Division One men and women's ice hockey program? We'd be the first ever HBCU to do so." And the answer is yes. You know, how do we do it? And our league was so dedicated to. So they jumped all over it. They spent you know a fair amount of money on doing a lot of feasibility studies. What would it really cost? What do we have to do from a facility standpoint? At the same time, Parallel Paths, their athletic department and college as a whole are doing feasibility studies on what investment do they need you know, for the football scene, the track field, what else is needed to move them forward mm-hmm. in different aspects. So it's not only going to be hockey. How do we approach it together to make TSU um, the envy of the sports world, as they were really when Ed Temple did the impossible and built a program out of scratch and literally built the track by hand himself? When he started that, people said it couldn't be done. When we said we were going to do this together, people said it couldn't be done. And uh, I just, I can't wait for it to get done. It won't be this year, it won't be next year. But we're going to take steps each and every year. And ideally, you know, two or three, four or five years from now, we're all sitting in a facility watching TSU play hockey.
0: Yeah, and P.K. Subban will be their first coach. There you go. You just heard it here first. <laughs> well, Eddie funny, George will be it's the football small. coach. <laughs> P.K. will be the hockey coach.
1: You never know. Small world, a young man that used to teach our youth hockey in, in Tampa, um, his mother is Dr. Glover's mentor. I uh, think from Spielman College um, she was the president there. And he was the first guy to reach out. He said, "I'm the coach. I want the job now." And he, he's a coach right now up in Minnesota. Okay. So it is funny how you garner some attention quickly from uh, you know all points across the country because I think we can pull a lot of people together to make this happen. Um, this is a lot bigger than just Nashville or TSU or the state of Tennessee. A lot of people want to see this happen, and if we're successful in doing it, it'll be one of the bigger things to ever happen to hockey.
2: It's it's a very ambitious thing to even take on, Sean. So, good luck with that. We'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, thank you. You're part of it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Last thing, Sean, uh, as we wrap this up. Did Bill Wickett have pictures, you know, on the lightning? Like, I I like Tanner Janot, and I hated to see him go. But, I mean, uh, they kind of, you know, that that hall was pretty amazing hall for Tanner Janot. It has the hockey world uh, buzzing.
1: Yeah, i I'll tell you, every time you trade a player, you want to be sad about it. You know, you want your fans to be sad about it because it just means they connected with with the everyone in the building, all the fan base, um, and if someone else wants it, it means they're also doing something right on the ice. And that's what Tanner was. I mean, he's just such a wonderful player for us. Um, but, yeah, what we got back you know, from from Tampa, we were pretty pleased with it. Obviously, um, when you look at what other people are saying, they're pretty pleased with it too. So it's always hard to lose a player like that um it's the worst part of our game you know you get to know uh, these guys and their families and they get attachments to different organizations and the fans and unfortunately it's it's what pushes you forward so yeah we, we we're pretty pleased with it but it was fun watching bill's phone and uh, we just, our new vice president of marketing came from tampa as well the two of them were getting beat up by a lot of people um on one hand on the other they were getting a lot of texts and emails saying oh my gosh we love this guy he's gonna be great for us yeah. and he will be I mean, he's gonna shine there and that's what you want you want every player that you used to have to do really well in a new setting. And it's funny, like when every time he scores, some fan will text me. is like, why would you get rid of him? Or Eli told them when he scores, hey, dummy, why would you get rid of him? It's like you want him to do well, period. And uh, I think it's the most fun part about what we all do. You get to see young men excel, ideally here, but if not here, in other places.
0: No doubt. Sean, appreciate the visit. It'll be a fun night tonight to close out the month of February and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for doing yeah, this.
1: Yeah, I'll see I'll see you guys in front of the walking taco stand as we go over to the cotton candy robot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Yep. All right, Sean. Thank you, Sean Henry, <laughs> president and CEO of the Preds. I'm